With permission, I will now present the preacher for today in Jesus' name. He's a good brother, a good man of God, grown up in the church with a family legacy, amen, that continues on. And we're going to ask you to receive with a praise God, our brother, minister, uh, Isaac Barrera, in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on over, brother. May God use you. Amen. And praise the Lord. Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Um, I just want to thank this time to thank Pastor for this opportunity. Amen. For giving me this opportunity to bring forth the word of the Lord. Amen. And it's an honor um, and a privilege. Amen. I don't um, take it for granted um, to preach the, the word of God. I'm going to try to make good of time. Um, so you can open up your Bibles um, to the book to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Um, we're going to read of every known story. Um, Mark 5, 25 through 34. Man, I just ask you guys just to pray for me. I'm trying to fight off a cough. Amen. And thank God for Dayquil and Ricola and Hawes. We're going to read um, verse 25. Um, to verse 34 and the word of the Lord says as follows now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and has suffered many things from many physicians she had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse when she heard about Jesus she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said if I only may touch his clothes I shall be made well Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the infliction. And Jesus, and Jesus immediately knowing himself, knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the, mul you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And, and, he, and he looked around, to see, to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And she said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your infliction. Mass, let's go for the Lord in prayer at this time. Lord, we come for you at this time, God. We ask you, Lord, we open up our hearts and our minds, God, to receive the word you have for us at this moment, God. You may bless me, God, and not my lips of clay, Lord, and be a vessel that you use for your honor and for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Man, you may take your seats. Man. And I'm excited to be at church today, man. Today's a, a special day, man. Today is the, the start of the NBA free agency, which happens in a few minutes. Amen. Amen. And Kawhi is on the way. I mean, so, so God is good. Um, but the reason I bring it up that, about today, that today's a good day, um, we're going to reference it in, in, in the message, in the story. It talks about a, specifically in a specific time in this woman's life. Amen. Um, most people, when, when you apply to a job, it's, it's better known that you, you have a better chance to get a job if you know someone already in the company. Amen. It, it works out better that way. I can say for myself, I, I've gotten a job once or twice because I knew the person already in there and they vouched for me, right? So I get my resume and somehow they got it to the front of the line, right? It doesn't mean you, that you're not qualified. It just helps to know someone to hook you up with the job. And that's why people are always asking, like, if you have any openings, um, let me know because it doesn't hurt to know somebody, right? <clears throat> and I believe that in life, life is a, is a chain reactions of decisions that we make. 
And it's not things that just happened, it's by, by accident. It is based on decisions that we make in our lives. And I believe that in life, in general, we don't have a lack of opportunity. Especially in this country, I believe there is an abundance of opportunities available to everyone. We cannot say there is, there is, we don't have an opportunity. We may not have the same opportunities as other people, but we still have opportunities nonetheless, right? So, so that, that's the difference. We always say, well, some people have it better than us. No, they have different opportunities than we do, but we all have an opportunity, right? It's all based on the, on the decision that we choose um, to make. And in, this, and in this story, in this instance, um, we find this, this woman with the issue of blood, um, and today I'm, I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to talk about desperation and faith and what happens when they meet. And the first thing we have to understand in this story that, that we see with this woman is that she recognized that she had a need. Right? In the, in the first line, the first verse of the, of the Bible of this thing, it, it says what she had. That's how it starts off with. It says, now a certain woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. So it even gives you a, a specific of how long she had this affliction, this need in her body, that it wasn't just a one-week thing, right? Because usually when you're sick, it's horrible when you have it for the first two or three days, but after like a week or two weeks of the cold, you get over it, right? You don't have a flu for a year, right? <clears throat> so a sickness, something like that, doesn't last for that long. If it does, it's something more, more dangerous, more, it's, a more, uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a higher class of a disease or, or that you have in your body, and we see that this woman had it for 12 years, right? But this woman was interesting, though, because if you keep reading the, the verses, it says that she spent everything that she had, right? So she wasn't just content with, like, well, I have this issue. Well, I can't do nothing about it. It says she did all that she could. It says she went, she did everything she could. She wasted all her money. She bought all the Dayquil, all Nyquil. She went all the ibuprofen, Motrin, like, Excedrin. She did everything she could. She went to every type of doctor you can go to, she went to, and nothing made it better. It says it got worse, right? But the one thing I would give her, though, credit is that she tried, that she was not content with the issue that she had. She wasn't like, well, I have this issue, and I'm, now that I'm going to be stuck with it, right? She tried to do something about it. And I believe sometimes in our lives, we, we deal with things in our lives that sometimes we we always tend to focus on the things that we can see, right? We, like, especially with sins and things like that or, or situations in our lives, you can always tell when something's going on when it's visible or when you can tell right away where they're going through this because you can tell physically what's going on, right? But this woman, though, <clears throat> we have to understand that in this, old, in this time, because of the disease that she had, she had to call out what she had. Right? If, if this time when, when you had leprosy, you weren't allowed to be part of the, of the population of the people. You had to be segregated. Right? And it is with the same disease that she had to walk in her daily life say that she is unclean. But she had to proclaim it out loud. So that people, everywhere she walked, people will know that she is unclean. Right? And it wasn't something that people could physically see all the time of the blood. Right? She had to physically announce what was going on in her life. Right? And that's something I wonder what we would do if we had to proclaim or say what we had inside of us. And not just the, the, the physical things that you can see, but if we deal with anger, you have to always say, I'm angry out loud. Or if you deal with jealousy, you have to, everywhere you walk around, say, I'm jealous, envious. Or say something that, that you don't want other people to know, or that I'm depressed. And you say it out loud so that people can know and recognize 
what you have. And that's what we see in this woman, that she had to recognize what she had, right? The first, the first step to, to solving a problem is recognizing there is a problem, right? That is the first step for a solution to solve it, is to recognize that, that you had a problem in her life. And that's what she had. And the sad thing about this, though, about her condition was that it took everything away from her. Everything. Right? Because in, with, this, with this issue that she had, no one could touch her because she was unclean. That means if she had a husband, her husband couldn't hug her. If she had kids, her kids couldn't hug her because she was unclean. And the thing we have to understand, the things that we go through, the situations that we go through in our lives, if we keep it bottled up inside, if we don't fix it, if we don't deal with it, it will drive people away from you. Because, see, no one wants to deal with someone who is always unhappy. No one wants to go out with someone who is always bitter, who is always criticizing every single little thing that is wrong. If you go to a restaurant, it's too cold. The coffee's not hot enough. The menu's wrong. I can't eat nothing here. I don't like it here. I don't like this. I don't like that. And you don't want to hang around with someone like that in your life. And if you're an angry person, no one wants to deal with an angry person every single time. They don't want to argue about every single thing. Right? And these are all things that, that we have to deal with. And sometimes we, we say that we, we keep, we follow things up inside without recognizing that we're driving people farther and farther away from us. Because that's what sin does. It drives things away from you. It drives the presence of God away from you. And that's what we see with this woman, that it took everything from her, not just monetarily, but the people that she had, her friends, were no longer her friends anymore because they couldn't hold her anymore. They couldn't talk to her. You know, sometimes when you go through a bad day, all you want is somebody to hug you. And I can figure that this woman for 12 years, with having no human interaction, no human contact, all she wanted was someone just to hug her and tell her, it's going to be okay. But she had no one to do that because everywhere she went, she had to proclaim that she was unclean and she was unclean. I wonder how, how she ever thought about, you know, I'm not going to say anything this time for someone, but I'm pretty sure everyone recognized who she was. But that's the first step in any situation and any need that we have in our lives. We need to be able to recognize what, we, what, we, what is it that we're dealing with. Because sometimes we like to live in the life of denial where we like to portray that everything's perfect in our lives. That we live in the Instagram world where you only post your highlights of what's really going on. That you go to dinner and you take a picture with you and your wife and it looks all cute and all happy. But no one realized that you were fighting the moment before and you're fighting the moment after you post the picture. But everyone thinks everything's perfect. That you go and you're traveling the world and everything seems fine but you don't know that you feel lonely inside, that you're going through depression inside, that your marriage is in tremble, is in shambles, but no one sees that. Everyone just sees the picture. They gotta be fine. They got a new car, they got a new house. They gotta be perfectly fine, right? But we tend to believe that same lie that we don't recognize what's actually wrong with us, that we have to go to God to deal with our need because we need to be able to recognize what we, what we have. We need to recognize the need that we have in, in our lives. And that's the first thing that this woman did is she recognized the need that she had. And the second thing that we see in, in the story was that she heard about Jesus. And this is interesting, right? Because if I ask you, have you heard about Jesus? Right? Have you guys heard about Jesus? Right? Not his suits, but Jesus. Have you heard about Jesus? 
right? And it's interesting, though, because it says that she heard about him and the things that he was doing, meaning that, that Jesus at, at this time was getting popular by reputation of the miracles that he was performing, right? So she heard about him. And it's cool that she gets to hear about Jesus. It's cool to hear about what he's doing in other people's lives. And for some of us, that's okay. That's, that's enough just to hear about Jesus and hear what he's doing in this city and that family and that person's life, right? But in this story, it says that she went a step further from about hearing Jesus. It says that she heard about him, and then it says that she went after him. And that changes the, the whole story of this lady, because if you read in Mark chapter 5, <clears throat> The chapter 5 isn't about her. If, if you read the beginning before verse 25, from verse 34, and you go back to verse 36, if you take out 25 to 34, you take that out of the Bible, 24 and 36 flow perfectly because it's all one story. Because right? if, you, if you just read, you read from verse chapter 5, 24, skip 25, and go all the way to 36, it flows perfectly because her story is an interruption of what's about to happen. And this is what happens when you hear about Jesus and you take a chance of an opportunity, an opportunity when he presents itself to you. Because see, Jesus was on his way and it says that, that, that a ruler by the name of, of Jairus of was walking with his daughter. His daughter had a need. His daughter was sick, was about to die. And he's walking to this man's house to go heal her. Right? So Jesus is walking with someone else to bless someone else. And then there was an interruption. And then there was a parenthesis in the main story. And this is the point where I want us to really get is we have to take, an, we have to take advantage of every opportunity we have with God. Because yes, God wants to bless everyone else. Yes, God wants to bless Brother Villegas. Yes, God wants to bless Brother Sanchez. God wants to bless Second. But if he's got to bless them, he's got to go through me. Because, see, I'm not going to let God pass me by, pass his opportunity by, without him dealing with my opportunity, with my need first. But we need to be able to take advantage of the opportunity we have with God. Amen? Because she understood that this was the one chance she had with Jesus. Because, you see, Jesus was on his way somewhere else, and she didn't have no guarantee that Jesus was going to come back her way. You know, this is her one chance, her one opportunity to take advantage with Jesus, right? And we just sang this song that's better is one day in his house, right? And I really wonder how many of us really, like, because the song is awesome, the way they sing it in our church is awesome, right? The music, second, leaning it. That's why we say second is the best MC we ever have in our, in our assembly, right? It's just awesome. You just feel it, right? And it sounds awesome. And everyone starts singing it together with no music. It sounds awesome. Like, better is one day. But how many of us really, really understand what that means and take advantage of what that song is saying. That better is one day in his court, better is one day in his house. And this is his house, right? But then why is it something when we walk into this place, we don't take advantage of the opportunity of coming into the presence of God? That we don't take advantage that we're going and we're struggling, but we come in here with a bad attitude or we come in here and we don't want to sing. And we come up here and we're busy with something else and thinking about something else in our mind. And we don't take advantage of the one opportunity you have with God. 
Because the thing is, no one has tomorrow guaranteed. Because you think that, oh, I can come back to church tomorrow because the church is open tomorrow. But who says you're going to make it to tomorrow? That's why Isaiah says, the seeking while he can be found. Because a day will come where you will cry upon the Lord and you will not find him. And that's the need that this woman has so great that she understood that she was unclean, that no one wanted to get close to her. But she had a great need. I said, I have no more money. I ran out of opportunities. I ran out of other options. I got one option only. And it's either going to be Jesus or no one else is going to do it for me. So she had to be desperate enough to go in the midst of a crowd because it says there was a multitude around Jesus. And again, she could not be around people. So she had to get desperate enough to get close to him. And then look at the way that she says what she wanted to touch of God. It says she wanted to touch the clothes of God. Another version of it says she wants to touch the hem of his garment. And when I was reading it, and I was reading more about it, it touched me, though, because usually I was thinking, why didn't she want to shake Jesus' hand? Or why is it she didn't want Jesus to, to lay his hand over her? Right? And other miracles that you see with Jesus, Jesus speaks face-to-face -face with someone else, and he lays his hands or he speaks a word, and then he gets healed or he makes new eyes for someone else, right? But it's always face to face. But in this story, though, this woman doesn't want that. Her, her cry inside wasn't for me, for Jesus to touch me. It was for me to touch him. And if we look closer at what she wanted to touch, the hem of his garment, that's the part that caught me, though. Because if you look in the Old Testament, right, we say Jesus is the high priest, right? He's the last, he is our high priest, Right? And in, the old, and in the Old Testament, it says that the high priest will anoint themselves with oil, right? And it says that the oil will flow from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. But back then, right, I wasn't aware, I wasn't wearing a cloak, but I didn't have time to, to buy the, the, the cloak they're wearing. But, it, um, but if you put a, 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 a bottle of oil and you were to pour it down all from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, the oil will rest or come down and it will stay at the hem of the high priest's garment. It will get soaked there, right? So it is though where she said that she wanted to touch Jesus at the hem of the garment. It meant that she wanted to touch the place that had the most anointing because that's where the oil recited in the high priest. Uh, so you see that what she said was insignificant. That says what she wanted to get down on her knees, right? So in order to touch the hem of her garment, you have to get low. Uh, see, no one wants to talk to someone like crawling to them. You always want to talk to someone, meet someone face to face. But this lady, because she was desperate enough and she had to make a way in the midst of the multitude that did not want to get close to her. She said, forget them. I have a need that only he can solve. So if I had to get to my knees and if I had to crawl, I got to get desperate enough to touch the hem of his garment. Because it is the hem of the garment that had the anointing, that represents the anointing and the power of God. To see wherever you touch, when you go down on your knees and you just cry out to God and you touch the hem of his garment, you are touching the anointing of God and the power of God is there. But you have to get desperate enough to get down on your knees and crawl in the midst of multitudes to take advantage of the one opportunity, the one chance you have with God. But the problem is, though, we get too complacent, and we know that, well, tomorrow I can go to church. I can go to church another day. And we take the opportunity that we have for granted. Right, because my dad once preached, what happens if tomorrow is canceled? What would you do? And today, as I told you, today's the only chance you have with God. 
how would you seek him? Would you be nonchalant about it? Would you be like, well, I go to church all the time anyways. Or I got my dad to pray for me. It's okay. How would we react if this was it for her? She had nothing else to do. She had no more money. She's like, I'm broke. That's it. I got nothing else left to do. See, that's the thing when you're desperate. You don't care what happens. You don't care about looking cute. You don't care about people taking pictures of you and crying in the altar. You don't care about anything else. Uh, He's like, I got one chance. I have a need, and he's got to do it or else no one can. Uh, I don't care what anybody talks about me. You see, and and I think, and the reason why I know this is because I I was once young, right, and and I hate it when people do an altar call, and no one would go, and my mom would look at me and go. I'm like, no, I can't be the first one. I cannot go. Because if I go, people are going to think something's wrong with me. Right? People are going to look like, what's wrong with him? I'm like, what did he do now? I'm like, what does God need to do in his life? What does God need to forgive him for? Right? And it's true because most of us think that we're like, no, because then they're going to say, well, like, well, yeah, he needs him. Yeah, he needs Jesus, right? Like, you need Jesus, right? And we all think that way. But we lose sight of the opportunity with God. And that's the one thing that she had was that she had to crash a party. She had to ruin someone else's story for a moment. Like, I, I, I know, Jesus, you're going to go bless someone else right now. But you got to bless me first. You got to bless me first, though. She had to learn to crash a party. And that's the way we got to learn how to do. Is that, yes, God is going to move and God's going to bless other people's lives. But we got to crash. We go like, that's fine. You're going to bless him. You're, you are. He read the rest of the chapter. He does the miracle he's supposed to do later on. But before you, gotta, before you get to verse 36, you got to go to verse 30, 25 to 34 to read her story first. It's like, I got to make my way in. And she made this way in to make this opportunity with God. And that's so great about her is that she touched the most anointing part that she could with Jesus. And right? That's what we always say when we baptize people. We always say like, we have water, who in pizza, you get baptized. Right? Because they say that today is the day of salvation. Right? Today is your day. That's why it says, like, for, like, that's what they will say, um, today is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in it. It says, today is the day. She took advantage of the opportunity, and the third thing that she did in her life was she had an expectation. Something right, and this is a part that I had to, I had to check myself on, um, because she said, "If I will only touch his clothes, I will be made, I will be made whole." That she said, she proclaimed upon herself that if she touched Jesus, she will be healed. She believed it before she did it. She had an expectation of what, what had to happen if she did, if she touched the, the hem of his garment. You had an expectation. And the question today is, though, what are you expecting? Like, when you came in today to church, were you even expecting anything from God? Right? Because when you go to school, you go with the expectation of receiving an education. When you go to work, you expect to get paid in two weeks. Because if you don't, I ain't showing up to work the next day. You know, like my dad didn't raise a fool, like, no, like you pay me for my work, right? Like when I go, when I go to a Dodger game, I expect them to win. 
I don't know if you guys are laughing. That is true, though. They're in first place. In Jesus' name, they win, those, they win the World Series this year. In Jesus' name, right? But, but if you go to certain things, you, you, you have an expectation, right? Even when you go to a restaurant and you yelp it, right? Because that's what we do now. We yelp everything. And you look for a restaurant that's like four stars, whatever. You expect great food. Or you expect great service. You go to places with, an, with a certain expectation of something, Right? But then why is it when we come to church, we come to church with no expectation? That you really don't expect anything from God. Right? We come to church, and like, I'm going to go to church, it's an hour and a half, two hour service, and I say, we expect it to be quick. Or we expect it to be long. That we expect. But we don't expect anything in our lives to change. Right, we come to church without an expectation. And if we do have an expectation, it's a small expectation. That I'm going to feel good afterwards. Because right, we see all these superlatives about God. That God is great. God is awesome. God is magnificent. God is my prince of peace. God is all this other stuff, right? And God is so great. And all this, my God is big and all this other stuff. But how many of us actually believe what we say, though? Right, because if you say all those things about God then our actions have to reflect what we say. The problem is, though, and this is why I think sometimes my, my thinking is kind of out of whack, because sometimes it's not so much that I care what people say, but I care how you act about what you say. Because you can say, well, I serve a great God, but you're not living a life that reflects that you serve a great God. Or the way you pray does not reflect the God that you serve. Or, right? As a matter of fact, the way you pray reflects the God that you do serve or the God that you think you serve. Because if you pray, well, if you want to, well, you just need this little thing. To take. Well, if you want, kind of, you pray nonchalantly. You pray with not so much, I said, with not so much emphasis on what you need or proclaiming things. You pray a two-minute prayer and like, oh, I'm good. Right? Because that's the way we think of our God. Right? Because the way you pray will show you how great your God really is. Because it all depends on the expectation. Because if you don't expect anything from him, you won't ask anything. Your expectation won't be that high. Right? But this woman, though, had a different level of expectation. Because she knew if I just touched the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And the Bible says that he does exceedingly abundantly more than what we expect from him. You see, I like that verse, exceedingly, abundantly more, which means he could have done just what was just exceedingly, but it's exceedingly, abundantly more. So he exceeds and it does even much more than what you even think if you just expect something of him. See, if we come to the, to the church, if we come to before God, if we come to our room and we pray to God expecting that he's going to move, I don't know how it's going to happen, huh? I don't know how he's going to make a way. I don't know where, but he's got to make it because I expect him to move in my behalf. And when we move in the expectation, God begins to work in our way. That's a Hebrews 11. One says that we walk out the faith is the somethings of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Second Corinthians 5, 7, 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That you walk in faith, you walk in expectation. That you walk in, I'm already healed. 
You walk my mom's already healed. Huh? You expect that God's going to move in my favor. Because I serve a great God and my God does great things. I'm going to walk in that expectation that he's about to move in my life. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. Because I don't serve a God based on their expectations. I serve a God based on the expectations that the word of God says. That he will never leave and never forsake me. I move based on my expectation of what God will do in my life. Because we have to understand that our faith moves the hand of God. And the great thing is, though, is that when God stretches out his hand, something miraculous has to happen. You get that? You see, our faith moves the hand of God. And when God moves his hand, something has to happen. That's what it says that when, that when he was crucified, it says that his arms were stretched out so that we would be saved. That's the whole thing is that when we, when we expect something of him and we move by faith. And one thing my dad taught me is that when you pray, you pray declaring and proclaiming that it's already done. You won't see it now, but it has to happen. You speak things into existence by the name of Jesus Christ. Because there is no other name greater than his name. But you got to expect that it's about to happen. And that's what she did. He moved on an expectation of what she heard of. She heard that he was doing all these great things. It was like, well, if he did that for them, and I just touch him, it's got to happen for me. And for us, if we've heard that God has done great things all over the place and in our families, why not for me? Why can't he move for me? And that's what she did. She moved and an expectation because her desperation met her faith. And when desperation meets faith, you will be unstoppable because you don't care what people have to say about you. You don't care if people think that you're crazy. And, and lastly, and we see in this verse, in this story, we see that she says that she was healed before Jesus confirms it, though. Right, she says that she touched the hem of the garment, and it says that she felt that the blood dried up, and she felt healed. And then Jesus responds. It's all about expectation. She expected it to happen, but she wasn't surprised when it happened. He touched it, and then she was already healed. And this is the part that really got me, though, because this is that Jesus was walking, right? He was walking. And then it said that she touched him. And then it said that Jesus stopped. You catch that though? It says that Jesus stopped. It wasn't just a celebrity when they hear their name or you hear your name and you stop when someone calls your name. It says that God himself stopped when she touched him. You see, she made God himself stop and is trapped based on her expectation and on her faith. You got to understand when you pray out of desperation, when you pray and you believe uh, and you cry out to his name, because the Bible says he will not reject a contrite heart, you make God stop in his tracks. uh, And he turns around and asks, who touched me? She made God stop. God, Jesus had his mind on somewhere else. But when she touched him, she made Jesus God himself stopped of what he was doing and turned around and asked, who touched me? Right? And then you see the disciple as well, everyone's touching you. He says, nah, this one was different though. 
because he thought in it so that something had left him. That power had left him. Right? And then he says that she came up and she told him the truth. And then Jesus says that your faith has made you whole. Right? Go in peace from your, from your affliction. But it wasn't until later that Jesus then confirmed what she already knew, that she was healed. And that's what I want us to understand today is that we need to be able to make God stop in his track. That when you pray, you pray expecting that God's going to stop what he's doing. That God hears your cry. That God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're going through in your marriage. God knows what you're going through in your life, your struggles you're going through. The fact that maybe you don't feel him right now. The fact that you think your ministry isn't growing. That you want something more. That you're not happy. But if you were to cry out to God and not be cute about it, but just cry out and forget everything else. Like right now it's me and you. I don't care about the next hour of today. I care about right now that I need to make Jesus stop right now. And that's what she did. That's why I like that story so much. Because she went out on a whim. No one promised her that Jesus was going to stop for her. No one told her, oh yeah, God's going to heal you today. No one told her any of that. There was no guarantee for her. She walked out on faith out of desperation to make God stop. And I wonder, how have we been praying have our prayers stopped God and, and turn around and ask, who has touched me? Or are we like the multitude that are touching him, but no power is leaving him because we expect nothing? As you stand to your feet as, as I end, and that's why I, I had to challenge myself and check, how do I pray? How do I really seek God? Am I just a multitude? That I'm just, because I know where he's going to be, right? The thing is, we all know our church is open, right, every day for, at 5 o'clock in the morning for prayer, right? 5.30. 5 o'clock, the one will be open now. But 5.30, uh, 5, uh, 5.30, we'll, we'll be open. We all know that on Sundays, we'll, we'll, our church will be open. We have English and Spanish service. On Thursdays, we have service as well. We have class, right? We, we know the schedule. We know where God will be at, right? But this woman, all she heard was one time of a, of a man named Jesus. That's all she heard. Well, this man named Jesus, he's done all these, all these miracles. And I said, okay. Well, I got one chance. I got one shot at this. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be a Sunday. It doesn't have to be a day that you're at church. It could be in your car, it could be in your room, where you're like, you know what, I heard of a man named Jesus, and I've heard he's done these things for other people. I read the Bible and I heard these stories that he's done these great things in, in this book. I've heard of him and I've heard what he's done. I'm gonna take my chance. I'm gonna take this one opportunity that I have, and I'm gonna see what happens. Now I'm gonna pray, but I'm going to change it up this time, though. I'm not going to pray, well, if you want to. I'm going to pray that it has to happen. I'm going to pray with a confidence that it has to happen. It already has happened. You see, 
funny thing is, well, when, you, when you get paid, sometimes we, we, we buy stuff with the money we don't even have, but we know we're going to get it anyways. So we're already paying for stuff that like, we don't have the money for. That, that's easy to do. But when it comes to God, can we go a little bit further than that? That I don't see the evidence of it. I don't see the door. I don't see a window. Everyone's already told me no. It's too late. It can't be you. But if you move in expectation, and if you're desperate enough, you see, you gotta be desperate. Because if you're desperate for food, you're desperate for water, nothing's gonna stop you. You go through hell if you have to. Like, have you ever been like really, really thirsty? Right, you don't care if it's from the Mangueta, you don't care if it's from the holes, whatever, because you're thirsty, you just want water. Because you're desperate for something. And the thing is, can we get desperate enough for God? Or are we content? Are we okay? You know what? My life isn't the way I want it to be. I'm still struggling. I'm not going to really chase it that much. Because I got to look the part. People can't know that I don't have it all together. People can't know that I argue with my wife. People can't know that I'm struggling with my kids. People can't know that I'm struggling with something in my family. Or I would say, forget that. I'm taking advantage of this one opportunity because if I know if I move with expectation, my desperation won't let me leave without my blessing. My desperation won't let me get embarrassed. My desperation won't let me worry about people are gonna say if I have a friend or no friends because I know my God is already working in my, in my favor. Right, that's what we say, he's a way maker, right? He, he moves even though we don't see him, he's moving. Right, the, the interesting part of that sounds like he moves right, when, we don't, when we don't see him moving, right? But the thing is, in order for that to be true is that we also have to be moving as well. But yet God's moving when we don't see him, but are we moving towards him? And if we're just hungry enough for him and we touch the hem of his garment, because that's where the anointing and the power of God dwells, in the hem where everyone thinks it's dirty, I can picture why are you on your knees for but it was in that dirty place in the hand where, she's walk, where he's walking that all the anointing was there that she needed. But we need to take advantage of today, right now. So with that, I, I opened up this altar and I invite you to take advantage of this opportunity. If you have a need, if you, got, if you want God to move in your life, now is your chance right now, but you gotta be desperate enough to move, to expect God. If you come up, expect God to move in your behalf. Expect him to do something for you because that's the God that we serve. We serve a God that goes beyond our expectation, but expect him to move in your behalf. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But I just encourage you right now to cry out to God. To cry out to him. And let him know what you're going through. And don't worry about anything else. 
That right now, the next 10 minutes don't matter. It's right now, at this very moment. This is your opportunity to get desperate for God. You tell him, I need you to do this for me. Because if it's not you, no one else can do it for me. I'm at that point in my life. I'm at that point in my marriage. I'm at that point in my job, my school. That it's you or nothing. You would tell him, I'm going for broke. I need you to move. I expect you to move in my behalf. We just declare in the name that is above every other name. In the name of Jesus, that you begin to move in our behalf right now, my God. Yes, Lord, right now, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to move in our behalf. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Mm -hmm. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you.
just the him. So sometimes when you're feeling weak, this, when you're feeling just down this week and feeling a little weak, just remember, I just got to reach and touch just the him. Just the him. And I have to do it believing. Amen. Thank you, Brother Isaac, for that word. We're going to dismiss. Now, can you just grab your neighbor? Oh, yeah. Oh, 
you, Co-Pastor. Thursday, thank God for liberty, amen. Fourth of July, this, this, this Thursday coming up. Amen. Independence Day. Amen. How many are excited for Fourth of July? All right. I hope you guys have a good time with your families, barbecuing or whatnot. And while you're enjoying those fireworks, just, yeah, thank God for freedom, as our pastor says. Amen. And when you see those big fireworks, like those right there in the picture, just think our God shines brighter than that. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Grab your neighbor. And you're going to pray for them. But we're going to also sing that song, Waymaker. And in your heart, I want you to do a prayer. But we're going to believe for each other that God is our waymaker. Amen. Come on, church. Let's sing Waymaker and do your prayer. Waymaker, miracle work, promise keep. That's it. Light in the darkness, my God. I pray, Jesus, for this congregation, God, for our families, God. Waymaker, waymaker. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Jesus said, any door that is closed, that you will open it, God, that you will set us free this week, Lord Jesus, because we make miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And when we're feeling weak in our body, God, remind us that you are the way maker, miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. Ah, when problems come our way, Jesus, and it seems like it's not enough, you're the way maker, miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Yes. God bless you, church. May God just bless your week. Bless your week. Amen. Give somebody a hug. Love on them. God bless you. 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 Yes, God, you are a way maker.